Hey everyone, welcome to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Just a quick note before today's episode. This summer, we're completing our series of introduction videos with our final season of filming, and we still need to raise about $30,000 to cover those costs, and we would love you to help us with that. And you can do that by visiting the Spoken Gospel website and clicking on Donate. And by doing that, you can contribute to bringing books like the Book of Revelation to life. And whether that's through a one-time gift or a monthly donation, your support makes all the difference in the world. So thank you so much and enjoy today's podcast. Welcome to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Spoken Gospel is a nonprofit dedicated to the idea that every part of the Bible, Old Testament and New, is about Jesus. And this podcast is our experiment to publicly test that belief. Every episode, hosts David Bowden and Seth Stewart work through a biblical text to see how it helps us see and savor Jesus. Let's jump in. All right, well, welcome everyone to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Seth, good morning. Good morning, good morrow, good evening <laughs> from wherever you are hailing. <laughs> <laughs> you, that is some intense. Uh, well, I want to make sure. I want to make sure that everybody who is listening across time zones and is familiar with old English felt included. This is a very broad <laughs> yet specific <laughs> audience. There's a there's a time to talk to to the old English people and a time to talk to everybody I, I in all time zones ever. Time and zones ever. that moment was then. That was it. That yeah, was it. well, I, that was my lame attempt to try to quote uh, or co opt Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes 3, which is where, where we are today. Where we are headed, and potentially one of the most famous passages in all Scripture. Yes, this is this is definitely one of the most famous passages in Scripture. Ecclesiastes 3 has been used in classical musical compositions. What? Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, it's, there's like this whole... Um, I thought you were like, quote, Leonard Cohen, Cohen or something. <laughs> but uh, like <laughs> classical music composition. Yeah, there's like some... I'll have to, I'll have to find it. Um, but it was even mentioned in a few of the commentaries I read. And I was like, oh, yeah, I've heard that song before. I think we sang it in, in choir back in college or something. Oh, cool. But um, yeah, uh, people know this verse. Um, uh, I don't think it's read at weddings. No. Is it... <laughs> I, I, wouldn't so, it, I wouldn't put it past a time them. to kill and a time to heal. <laughs> okay, maybe a time not. to break down and a time to build up. <laughs> a time to cry and a time to laugh. But yes, that is the text we're in. You, you, uh-huh. you're probably familiar with it. If you're not, it, it, it's one of those things that even if you read it unfamiliar, it sounds familiar because it's mm-hmm. just so famous and well written. So Ecclesiastes three: there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build. And then jump, jumping to the end, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. So there it is. Famous, famous poem. Yes. And, What's it mean? Yeah, go ahead. What's it mean? <laughs> What's it mean, David? <laughs> I didn't know we were going to talk about that today. Because um, what it sounds yeah. like is fatalism. What it sounds like is whatever happens is going to happen. We die, we're born, life's a jumble of opposites. 
Oh yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Suck it, life. Like you know, like, it's like it feels really. And I mean, we talk about the pessimism, nihilistic versus optimistic reading of this of the Book of Ecclesiastes. Oh, right. And, and this definitely feels like one of those moments where it's like, see, mm-hmm. life's a jumble of opposites. There's right. no redeemable pattern except people die sometimes people live sometimes people yep. and are it, killed and, and people are yeah, healed and if you're reading it with the whole of Ecclesiastes so far ringing in your head you're probably like and it probably just gets doled out randomly yep everything's yep. capricious the people that yep. die shouldn't have the people that live shouldn't have <laughs> like the no, people yeah, that totally. die should keep living yeah. yeah and speaking of how we, we we've talked about this in the introduction the last episode and now we can talk about it here is you know, you either a lot of people either read Ecclesiastes optimistically or pessimistically, like you were saying. Yeah, yeah. And so that's the pessimistic reading. I've also heard this optimistically, like where okay. it's like, you know, there was there's a time for peace, but now is the time for war. Like <laughs> optimistically, a time for David know. going to war. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like um, I've I've heard this I've heard this used at funerals. That's what I was thinking, not weddings, but funerals. <laughs> so the opposite of a wedding. <laughs> the opposite of a wedding, where it's you know there was a, there's a time to be born. And there's a time to die. Like this person's death that we're here commemorating um, has come to its proper end. And, you know, it's the circle of life. You know, yeah. it's a way to think about it. You know, Which is kind of like what we had back in the beginning. We had mm-hmm. um, like the stream yep. goes from its spring all the way down the ocean, yet the ocean is never filled up. Like, right. Yeah. That's right. And so, um, but I, I don't think either of those uh, views give quite enough. Um, like credit to the context uh because the uh the author of this poem then explains the poem after the poem he does (laughs) just kind of like skip that part verse nine what gain has the worker from his toil so it's the same question he's he's been asking before him it's his thesis Um, i have seen the business that god has given to the children of man to be busy with and just side note there so this is the same question that we were asking from the beginning and that phrase also comes back from the circularity of life passage at the very beginning. But he says there, it's an unhappy business that the Lord has given. Anyway, just flag it. It's like... Un- yep, it, things being repeated. Yep. And then verse 11, God has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. Hmm. And so... He's saying we, we need to understand what he means by the word time here. But before we jump into that, what we need to understand is that this is, you know, Ecclesiastes as a whole, but especially this here and the section we're about to go into is wisdom literature. And right. a big concept of wisdom literature is just doing the right thing at the right time. It's Do you know when to be just and when to show mercy? Do you know when to give counsel or when to keep your opinions to yourself? You know, do you know when to seek help or when to do something yourself? Like, Yeah, I'm thinking that there's like a word given in season is one of the Proverbs. Yes, a word given in its season is like balm to the soul or something I'm like try, that. Try to, yeah, I'm try, yeah. Proverbs 15.23. Okay, yeah, I think I found 15, it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a person finds joy in giving an apt or a timely reply. And how yeah. good a timely word is. Uh, I, think my, I actually remember this phrase. My dad used to quote, like, um, pray Proverbs over me every night uh-huh. before I went to bed. Um, and this is the one he would always quote to me. A man hath joy by the answer of his mouth, and a word spoken in due season, how good it is. That's how good it is. How good. I it like is. how like is that is that King James? That's King James. Yeah. Yeah. King James sometimes sounds like Yoda, especially in the proverb. <laughs> and that's awesome. <laughs> it sounds so good. Spoken. Mm, a season. word is spoken in season. How good it is. 
That's a bad Yoda, but there you go. uh, Mine was equally bad. (laughs) But anyway, so what we need to understand here is that um, he's talking about, um, he's been on this quest. Kohelet has been on this quest to find profit in his labor, right? To, To find gain in this life to find satisfaction and meaning that will hold. Um, and yet he seems to always be missing it. It seems like he's about to grab onto something that will finally work through whatever avenue he's tried, mm-hmm, and he mm-hmm. reaches out to grab it, and as soon as his fingers are almost wrapped around it, it turns into smoke. Yeah. It seems like he's always in the wrong place at the wrong time. He's almost about to have profit and meaning, but it eludes his grasp. He, he's not quite able to be the wise man are you saying are you saying that like so he in his autobiography where he just Mm -hmm. runs the experiment tries all this pleasure are you saying if he would have just tried it two minutes later it would have satisfied him uh hypothetically yes okay yeah that's the hypothetical problem that we're running up against but he would have never known if it was supposed to be two minutes or two and a half minutes and it's also not just about quote-unquote time but it's also about like method and you know so it's not only like um oh if i would have done this exact same thing two minutes later it's also like if i would have done this instead of that at the same time so it's not like so what he's highlighting here is the fact that time doing things in the right time is like a product of true divine wisdom that's right and one of the one of the reasons why his life uh, was Hevel, why his life felt like chasing after the wind, was even the good and right things that he did were done out of step with the timing that the Lord had allotted. Is that right? Like, and, yes, and I think his point is that, uh, at least, well, well, we'll get there. Uh, I think his his overall, his point is that everything we do is out of step. Because, like, anytime we're trying to find meaning under the sun, we're trying to find it apart from what's above the sun. Like, right. God is doing something, and we can't quite sync up with it. Um, before we get there, um, I, I want to—I just want to make a few notes about the, the poem itself. Okay. okay. Um, so it uses a couple of literary devices that we just need to be familiar with. So put on your nerd hats, everyone. But um, it uses um, merisms. My regular, my regular hat. Your regular hat. It's <laughs> yeah. just your regular hat. <laughs> merisms. So merisms are like uh, head to toe. It uses two extremes to talk about the whole. And so uh, when I say, oh, man, that guy's corrupt head to toe, it means every single part of him. Yeah. You know, not only his physical attributes, but also his the way his mind works. And stem his to intense. stern, the whole boat. Yeah. The whole boat. <laughs> the yeah. whole boat. Uh, heaven, from heaven to earth, you yeah, know, yeah. It's, it's all of creation. Yeah. And so, like, uh, that's what he uses. There's a time to be born and die. Plant and uproot is, like, you sow your seed and then you harvest it, right? So is he uh, talking about like whole categories of things? So yes. it's like a whole life, That's a right. whole s- calendar all year. Food. Yeah, or all, all of all of food. All of food. A time yeah. to kill and a time to heal. A time for uh, medicine? And, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay. Like, yeah, like we get sick and we get better. Sometimes we inflict sickness on others. You know, like uh, right. I think that's a lot of that. Uh, yeah, tearing down and building is all about like um raising cities and war but also we sometimes we build cities it's weird like we go and tear cities yeah. down and then we build them up so it's all about like civilization and politics and so he's he's taking yeah. these big categories and he's saying that 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 there's a time there's a season for all of them and what he means by that is that there is above the sun god has an intended purpose for every single action that happens in every single category that we experience on earth. 
He has made God is everything beautiful something. in its time. Yes. So. God has made everything beautiful in its time. Not only mm. is it good, I just think it's amazing. He didn't just make it good. He made it beautiful. Like, mm. and he talks about war and, and like, and killing and like, there is a way. Like weeping, and mourning. Yeah, weeping and mourning. He's saying there's yeah. a way to look at this, that if you could look at this through God's eyes and the intent and purpose that he has for everything that happens under the sun, you would actually go, oh, that, that's that thing I thought that was terrible is actually beautiful, hmm. and, and so that's that's what the merisms are doing there. They're they're taking the whole of life, the whole um, of life, and saying the whole of life mm-hmm. is not in God's blind spot. There's no yes. part of the life that you experience, as much as it seems like smoke, seems uh-huh. like grabbing after wind. None of it actually is. There yeah. is a beautiful timing placed by God above the sun. That's for right. Everything that happens out of the sun. Yes, um, but and yeah. it. Okay, yeah, but but, the, but but it's still smoke, right? Because okay. yes, everything is beautiful in its own timing, but he says we can't know what that timing is. Mm. We are frustrated. He, we he has don't put know. eternity into man's yeah. heart. Yet so 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 in such a way that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. That's right. We know that every that like or you you can hypothetically know that God is doing something good and beautiful, but you can't see how that mm. bad thing that happened in your life is actually good. Yeah. Like, and that is... Or how, how it will eventually turn to right. a benefit for you. Yep. Uh, there's a whole section in, later on in the book of Ecclesiastes that talks about, you can't know the future. Uh, it's an un, You're unable to know what comes next. And so this is kind of like, you're unable to interpret what's happening right now. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so there's there, that's one aspect of it, is that... Um, that God is doing something and you can't understand it, and that's frustrating. Like that is a frustrating way to live life, to know that there is a master plan, but not knowing what that master plan is. Okay. Um, the other side of that Hevel is that you can never sync up with it, mm. and that you're trying to find purpose in life. You're trying to do the right thing. You're trying to live wisely, but you're always out of season. You're always out of time. You were supposed to like God was doing B at a given moment, and you were and you're doing A, hmm. and you're just a little off. Right, and you don't quite sync up, and so life doesn't quite go like it's supposed to, because like I think what he's doing is he's kind of playing with proverbs here, and he's like, you want to know why when you, like proverbs says input A and output will be B, right? Yeah, if you yeah, do yeah, A, yeah. B will happen. He's if like, you speak ah, a yeah. wise word in the right season, mm-hmm. right outcome positive will happen. Right, but what he's saying is, no, you speak the right word, and the outcome doesn't happen because you said it at the wrong time. Right. Like, yeah, yep. exactly. Fascinating. Yeah, yeah there was it's, just this wrong season to it. So yeah. in verse twelve, he gives his solution to a life lived out of time or out of step yeah. with proper season, and he says, "I perceived that there's nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live, also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all of his work or his toil. This is God's gift to man." Mm-hmm. So it's the same advice we've heard already, but in response to the hevel of time, the, right. the, the frustration of being out of season with the way the Lord has designed the world to work. Yep. Um, and, and, and so I think there's more clarity that's, that is added in verses 14 and 15 to this conversation. Okay. So he says, I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. God does it so that people will fear him. And so he's saying that um, God, from the beginning of time, and he'll talk about this again later in the book, that God, from the beginning of time, had purposes 
for every single thing that would happen on the earth. And we can't add to those purposes and we can't take away from those purposes. And that can be frustrating. Like it Mm. it can almost feel like um, some kind of divine mechanistic robotic universe that we have no control over. You know, we want to be free to make the world for ourselves, you know, especially us in the West. We want to be frontiersmen, you know, that go out and create our own future. And he's saying, oh, you actually can't do that. You can't add to or take away from what God has been mm. doing from the beginning. And, so, uh, and, so, and, and he says, but he does that not to frustrate you or stifle you or make you unhappy. He does it so that you will fear him, so that mm. you will relent and yield and name God as God and not mm-hmm. you. You're trying to create the world for yourself, but God has set up the seasons. So one, our normal response to uh, a life that seems like a jumble of opposites, a oh, life yeah. full of doing the right thing at the wrong time mm-hmm. or being in the right place at the wrong time or the wrong place at the right time, <laughs> like yep. a life full of that. Yes. The response that should create in people who live on the earth is a f- the fear, fear of God, of God who is eternal, mm-hmm. the fear of God who is eternal. And so assuming then in that phrase, eternal is the right relationship to time, not so much eternal life at this moment, but like, yes, we should fear the God who has a perfect relationship to time. Yes. And who can give us a right relationship that to is, time That as well. is so well said, I think. I think that is a really good way to understand his use of the word eternity here. That he's placed eternity meaning the proper relationship to time, hmm. which is God's relationship to time, right? He has placed yeah, yeah, that yeah. in our hearts, and yet he's not given us the ability to understand it. Hmm. And so it's like we know that there is um, a purpose and a an end and meaning to everything in this world that happens, but we can't put our finger on it. Hmm. And you, so, uh, yeah, yeah, anyway. Have you read, so, um, A Severe Mercy by yes. Shelton Bonnikin? Yeah, about this guy. He was like, he's like this, he's like this waxing eloquent poet who listens to vinyl records and quotes Wagner and spends his time <laughs> at Oxford and ends up becoming friends with C.S. Lewis. Yeah, like they're pen pals. They write yeah, letters to each other. Pals. Yeah. And eventually he, he was like an agnostic at the beginning. He was. Yeah. And he would describe himself as a hedonist. Yes. And he said that he spent his life searching for, and I think he called them eternal moments, eternal moments, yeah, moments that felt like eternity. Uh, and he describes this one scene with he and his girlfriend, or maybe it was his wife. I, think, I don't know if they were married at the time. They got married. They're on a sailboat yeah. in off some tropical beach. Yep. Um, and like they, they're in the sailboat and they're having sex and they jump into the water and they naked and they're ju- and they're bathing in starlight. Like the stars are perfectly reflected in the water, and they just sit there. And he said, I think he says something like, um, "We must have spent hours, but it felt like minutes." Mm-hmm. And like, and he said, at that moment, I started searching for that feeling over and over and over again. Like that was the moment I was searching for eternal moments, moments that seemed to contain within them all of eternity. Mm-hmm. And what C.S. Lewis pointed out and what his own life attested to was like, he could never get them when he thought he was. And as soon as he was aware that he was about to grab one, it would escape him. And he could never contain that moment where hours pass but only it feels like minutes. Yes. Uh, they just never came. Like 
he was experiencing what Kohelet said. Like I had all those great things, but mm-hmm. I could never catch that moment in a bottle. That's right. Um, I could never catch. It was like striving after wind. Right. And it always seemed it's, like be it. It, another way to think about it. Not not talking about it using like time, like linear time, is like I, I feel this. I love food. You and I both have that in common. We do. Like love we food. we both are the cooks oh, in our bet. homes. Yep. We love we we love going to great restaurants and cities mm-hmm. and like that's our thing. And I, <laughs> it's our one thing, no, but we do love, love, love food. And, um, I, I think about this whenever I have like a really great meal and you get full and then it's over, you know? Mm, and it's like, yeah, yeah. I was like, I, I wish I could eat more of these tacos, right. Yeah, yeah. but I'm just full. I have no more capacity to enjoy them. And in fact, another taco sounds disgusting to me. I always think about it mo- as moments that where food makes me laugh. It's so good. Oh, yeah. I've had, oh, had those. Oh, I've like definitely had where those. Where you eat something and I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is, this is amazing. This is. Like, yeah. you're like, the only response to the deliciousness of the food is to like laugh. Yep. And no matter how much I try, I've never been able to laugh at my own food at home. <laughs> and like, you know what I mean? Like, I can't recreate that moment. And then when I go to restaurants, like expecting it to blow my mind, expecting like, to laugh, like, it man. never happens. Yep. Like, I'm always taken off guard by it. Yeah. Um, but it is, it's just, uh, there, there's something about that, you know, and that's like a very pedestrian kind yeah. of example. You but, know, there's, all, there's obviously much bigger ones. But like, the idea here is that there is a way to live in right relationship with time and with the, the, the warp and wolf of the world. You know, there, there's a way to do that, but we can't because we're always C.S. out Lewis. of step with what God's doing. And his response to Sheldon Vonnegut says, oh, yes. like, that, that moment where you experienced hours passing in mere moments is proof that you have a broken relationship with time. The yes. fact that, at, like, hours can go by in moments, or the opposite, when you're doing something really, really boring. Yep. You ever notice that when you're doing something really boring, and just, time just seems to drag? Have you ever caught yourself thing, saying things like, well, I'm just running behind the time or like we're mm-hmm. trying to be on the right side of history or like there's all or, uh, or like we man, can, time really flew by or time flew man, by this is really or, dragging on or I'm trying to catch up. He's like, maybe the fact that we can we always run out of time or we don't yeah. have enough time or time seems to get away from us or that we experience hours as moments and moments as hours shows us that our t- we are broken. Yes win our relationship to time. Yes, severely. Severely yeah. broken, yes. and we need eternity yes. to fix it. Yeah, and so I think what's amazing then is, is uh, and, and what we're not trying to do here necessarily, we'll, we'll get there, but what we're not trying to do here is pit temporality versus eternality right now. We'll right, get there. Right, right. Uh, that's a solution that the New Testament brings. Right now, what we're trying to get you, you our listeners, we, to, to understand is that there is God has intention to everything that happens in the world, purpose uh, in his sovereign plan for every single part of life, but yeah. we don't know what it is, and so we can't sync up with it. Yes, right. We, what we, eternity equals a right relationship with time. If we're right. always running out of time, we're looking for those eternal moments, but not getting them over. We're trying to laugh at our food, but it's not happening. Yep. What you need is a proper relationship to food, you need a pro and what Ecclesiastes is talking about a proper relationship with time. Yeah, and the proper relationship with time comes from fearing the Lord. Right, knowing that God has purposes for everything, and but the frustrating thing is the why the why this is hevel, 
why this is smoke is that Kohelet says we can't know it. Yeah. And we can't do anything to change it. Yes. And like, so we can't participate in it because we, we don't know what it is. And I can't add to it. I can't take away from it. So I'm just like crushed under the wheel of God's sovereignty that's just spinning, it feels like. But what's, what the good news is, is that when Jesus comes, he has the perfect relationship with the times and seasons of God's sovereignty. Okay, hold right? on, hold on. So, yep. hold on. Before we jump, so, <laughs> man, that's a, it's a, such a profound way. <laughs> like, Jesus is the perfect time traveler. He's the perfect one who, like, experiences time. <laughs> so, like, the, like if, if the, our problem is this broken relationship to time, and our perception of God's relationship to time is also broken. Like, when we look up and look at God's sovereignty, we just experience it wrongly. Is that what you just kind of said? Mm-hmm. Like, we, like, we don't perceive it rightly we see it as capricious we see it as fatalistic we don't see it properly yeah or we we just have no clue what it is it's just obscured and so what Kohelet says is the good news is to fear god Mm -hmm. and to fear god's relationship with time fear his eternity and when we fear his eternity our pleasures are put in the right place that's what he says to to do good Mm -hmm. as long as you live eat drink and take pleasure in your toil because when you have a fear god and his right relationship with time it recenters the way that you experience time on the earth. You're less crushed when you don't get that eternal moment. You're less uh, desirous and lustful for that more of them. Like that's what, that's the, his version of like the good news, right? Uh, it's like if you fear God, yeah, I, I, but it's a concession, get, right? It's, it's a concession. concession. Yeah. It's mean? not good news yet. It's just a concession. Well, he's saying it's the wise life. The wise life is uh, to I, fear God, which is yeah. the, the, the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. Proverbs one, one, mm-hmm. like fear God. Yes. And, he's, and if you do that, your relationship with time will begin to be mended, right? No, I mean, he doesn't say that. <laughs> I mean, he just, he, 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 I mean, he doesn't say if then. I don't think those are connected as an if then. If you fear God, then your relationship with time will be mended. I also think we're importing the temporality versus eternality thing here, which is not what's happening. I'm not trying to. I think. Okay. I, what I, I'm, I'm, yeah, what I'm saying is, I, I think, first off, the concession comes in the middle of this explanation of the poem. And he says, there's nothing better. And what he's, this, his nothing better is not, this is the best thing that there could possibly be, like, a, like a, uh, the best of the best. There's nothing better than a dip right, in the right, ocean. Right. You know, he's, he's not saying that. He's saying, well, I mean, literally, there's just nothing better. It's a concession language. And this goes to the heart of your my disagreement over the book of Ecclesiastes, yes. I think. But yes. continue with what you're saying, and then I'll yeah. just add my spin on it, and we'll move on. Right. So what I'm saying is, and I'm just trying to use time a little bit differently than you right now, okay. is, is that what, he, what he's saying is that I can't quite understand what God is up to in this exact moment. I, and I feel like I keep missing it. I keep trying to do A, and I was supposed to do B. Dang it. And so since I can't quite sync up with what God is doing in any given moment, and I always end up not having the right amount of joy and satisfaction in it, here's what I can do. There's, no, there's nothing better than this. Here's what I can do. I, wine tastes good at any, you know, on any day. You know? like, I enjoy the company of my wife every day. I can right. enjoy a good meal, you know, even if it's not ultimately satisfying. And so he's saying, like, you know, I, I had... I, I, the best I can do is not try to like solve the world's problems and, and, and fill this eternal hole in my heart. The least I can do is just enjoy something for what it is, even right. if it's not the ultimate set source of enjoyment. 
So it's yes. a concession. It's a concession. I would not call that good news. So here's what here's the di- <laughs> so so any podcast listener cluing into the tension between my, me and David in this moment. This is like actually the heart of our disagreement. Like we yes. said, we like we're both in the middle, but yeah. one tends positively, one tends neg- negatively. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of scholarship will talk about this phrase. What does it mean? Nothing better to do under the sun. David sen- tends to see that as a concession, and I tend to see that as like gospel in seed form, and not untethered to the verse after it. So I'm going to reread it again. Uh, so I perceive that there's nothing better for them to do than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in his, all to his toil. This is God's gift to man. Yes. And I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken away from it. God has done it so that people will fear him. So I think there is a connection between eating and drinking and doing good and enjoying it as a gift from God and fearing him. I do not believe that you can enjoy the food that we eat, the eternal moments that we do seem to be able to catch in a bottle for a brief moment without fearing the Lord. Mm -hmm. And so when we fear the Lord, we are freed to laugh at our food and never need to do it again. We're freed to have an eternal moment on a boat and not feel like we have made our life's mission to do it. And then it feels like it always comes up short. If we want a proper relationship with time and the pleasures of this world, it comes first by fearing God. And then our, our relationship with time will begin to be mended. There's nothing better to do. You're right. Is like a concession until we get to eternity. Mm-hmm. But I think that begins when we fear the Lord. And it starts on this earth. Not fully, but in part. And that kind of gets to the heart of our, like, Yep. And, I'm, and we're not going to, and we, we made this promise early on in yeah. our Ecclesiastes, we're not going to solve that tension. I, I, uh, yeah, I, I think it's a concession and it's like, well, there's nothing better to do. He thinks it's pretty good news and we're going to leave it there because yeah. honestly, that's what Ecclesiastes feels like. And it should yeah. feel like that because you're like, I want an answer. I want to grab on to what Ecclesiastes is, is all about. And it's smoke. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Turn off the podcast. (laughs) Turn off the podcast. No. Okay. So, but we we have to talk about Jesus's proper relationship with time. Yes. So regardless of how you read this phrase, the good news here is we have a broken relationship with time and we need someone to fix our broken relationship with time. And that person is Jesus. Yes. So Jesus, Jesus comes to earth. the, the, (laughs) The Bible says at the fullness of time. At the fullness of time. In his due season. In, yeah, in this new season, he, he com- in, in the exact right season, Jesus comes. And so, like, Romans 3 says that he had left former sins unpunished and that he came at the right exact moment. Um, Acts 2, in, in, in Peter's first gospel sermon, talks about how God had been working through history up until this exact moment whenever he had predestined Jesus to die. Like, there was this fullness of time that has taken place, and Jesus himself mentioned it over and over and over again throughout his earthly ministry. Uh, people would talk about, um, you know, he'd be, like, sitting at a wedding in Cana, and, um, you know, like, uh, Mary would be telling him that the, that the, the wedding's run out of wine, and he's just sitting there thinking about the time that he will have mm. to shed his own blood to provide eternal wine for his eternal bride. Mm. And, you know, Mary comes in and says, hey, we ran out of wine. Can you provide wine? And his response is, my time has not yet come. <laughs> and it's like, wait, what does that mean? It means that he's thinking about 
the time of his death. Like, and so yeah. my hour has not yet come. My time has not yet come. But then when he gets to Jerusalem, the hour is here. Hour. The time has the come. Here. Hmm. And like he, Jesus, knew the times and seasons of God. He knew exactly what God was doing in every single given moment. It's why in John he can say that he only ever did what he saw the Father doing. So, like, he mm, could see okay. the intention and purpose of God. He could see the intention and purpose of God, see exactly what he wanted to happen in every single moment, and sync up with it. And he could do what God wanted to be done in that moment. God mm. had a purpose, and Jesus was able to know the mind of God, know that purpose, and be the agent of it. And so he lived the wise, joyful, satisfied life because he did what God was doing in every in, single hour, in every in single right moment. Time. In its right time. And you kept mentioning, in that hour, in the hour, all throughout the book of John, the hour is yep. a reference to Jesus' death. And I think about that, like God, the God of eternity, yeah. who, where, who endures forever, and nothing can be added to it, and nothing can be taken from it. Like, that God has an hour. Yeah. An hour and, to die. And an hour to die in which he grants us mm. the, the ability by the power of his Holy Spirit to live in right relationship with time. Yes. So to, that's, like, yeah, that's the amazing thing. Like first Corinthians talks about like who, who can know the mind of God, you know, like his, like his counsels are unsearchable, you know, like you can never understand what God is doing, but it says that because the Holy spirit goes and searches the innermost parts of God and then comes and dwells with us, it says we have the mind of Christ. So that same mind that was able to know what the Father wanted and do what the Father did, right, and sync up with God's purposes in seasons and times now lives within us. And so whenever the Bible talks about walking by the Spirit and walking in step with the Spirit, it means that when God wants us to do A at this hour, we're able to know that Mm. and do that. We become synced up with God's purposes for this world. Yeah. Yes. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. Okay. So then what's, so that, that's like the good news for right, right now yeah. is and we're able to break to the, through, we're able to break through like what Kohelet was unable to break through. He couldn't know what God was up to, but the Holy Spirit's starting to give us these little peaks into what God is up to. Yes. And it frees us to do the advice that he gives us. There's nothing better to do than be joyful and to do good as long as they live. It frees us to do good, to enjoy our drink and take pleasure in our work while we're on the earth of heaven, like because we have the mind of God, because we've been given it by the one who had a perfect relationship with time, we can begin to have right relationship with two time in our work, in our pleasure, in our food. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Right. It like, does. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think I would just to state the other side of it yeah. uh, without correcting you. Cause I think you're absolutely right. I think to state the other side of it is what was a concession for Kohelet to like, mm. well, I don't know what God is up to. I don't know how to join in with it. So I guess I'll just enjoy my food because uh, at least that's a good gift from God. That's the least I can do right now because I just don't know what God's up to. The good news that we see all throughout the New Testament, especially if you read like Acts, you see that like the disciples knew what God was doing and they were compelled by the Spirit to go to this place or that place and they could get involved in the mission of God. And so now we do have something better than to just eat and drink. 
we can do the work of God in this world. We can mm-hmm. actually sync up with his purposes and go and share this good news with people. And like we can we can be a part of God's mission in this world. I think it's both sides of Eden that we're talking about here, Seth. Yes. That's, one side yes. one side is enjoying the garden. We are free to enjoy the garden now. And like we can do that because we know that any meal I eat, I'm actually feasting on, I'm trying to feast on something better, which is yeah. Christ. And I'm trying to, I know that this is just a picture and a symbol of something that's far better, which is life with God. But Eden was not only an internal enclave that was meant to stay where it was, right? It was it's meant to go out. Expand. It was yeah. meant to expand. And so now we know that and we can sync up with the spirit of God and go do that work with him. Mm. And so we can actually know the seasons and know the times and, and we, we can... can do them. spread the good news yeah. of a right relationship with time yes and the hope of an eternal time so, so yes so before you jump there yeah. let's let jesus tee it up okay because jesus says so who knows the times and the seasons right what when will that hour come when jesus returns i don't know only the father knows even yeah. jesus himself on <laughs> earth kind of repeated kohelet here he was like who knows the day and the hour? I don't know. Only the Father knows. He's repeat. He's talking about Ecclesiastes three here, and now, of course, now he knows. You yeah. know, <laughs> but like it's amazing that there is a time designated by the Father that Jesus will return, and no one knows when it is. We still live inside of that smoke and hevel, hmm. because we we like we just don't know when it's going to be. And so, how do we live in right relationship? With that time, that hour of Jesus' yeah. return, Jesus gives us the answer, right? He says, live as if it's today. Act as if, mm-hmm. as if the master is coming back. Act as, as, as if it would be this very moment that I would return and be about your master's business when I return. Yes. So how do you live in right relationship with the imminent return of Jesus that we don't know when it's going to be? Is it going to be today or 10,000 years from now? The, the only way to live in right relationship with it is to fear God. To fear Which, God, right, and, and to act like it's today, to joyfully do good, yeah, and right. to eat and drink and take pleasure. Like it's two sides of Eden. So mm-hmm. it's like this could be seen as Eden interrupted. Nothing better to do than this, or it's how Eden will actually feel. We will yes. eat food and we will drink wine and we will do our work and it will be awesome. Yeah, it will feel like a succession of nothing but eternal moments. And that's the way C.S. Lewis ends up talking about eternity mm-hmm. to Sheldon Vonnegut. He said that moment that you had on the boat with your wife, that's what all of eternity will feel like. You're going to sit and watch a sunset with a friend, and you're going to realize what happened in 30 minutes actually was 10,000 years. You have a conversation over good coffee in the morning, and you're going to realize 45 hours have passed. Like, And that idea of like having... Mo- like hours and hours pass by in moments is actually the perfect picture of heaven i was like what yeah. <laughs> it blows my mind because that's what i want like i want time to pass more quickly than it actually does yeah and because i'm enjoying it so much right and so what c.s lewis says is the hope of heaven is that our relationship with time will be so fixed that it will feel like as if time is not passing i'm like yeah. Yeah, that's just, it feels, yeah. and that's kind it's of so imagi- imaginatory and what, like, imagine, like, we have such a broken relationship with time that we, that we even paint eternity incorrectly. People are like, yeah. so eternity is just like life over, it's, it's Groundhog Day. Right, it's right, right. the same thing over and over again forever. No, 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 no. It's perfect moments that you never want to end, never ending. 
Yes. And it's a succession of them. And if and you're the, in, like, in that yeah. moment when you're experiencing something amazing, when you're eating food that makes you laugh, when you're like, it just seems like moments have passed. As soon as you examine that moment, as soon as you try to tear apart yep. the food and remake it at home, as soon as you try to recreate it, you never get it back. Right. But in heaven, you always will. Yeah. And you can now, examine that moment and your pleasure of that moment will right. increase rather yeah. than decrease. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, so something else that's really I, I want to I focus in on here is not just like the, the linearness or the circularity or the concept of eternity from a time standpoint, but from Kohelet's use of the word time and season, okay. which is God has purposes for the world and we don't know what they are. And so we can't sync up with them. But the good news of eternity is that God will have purposes in the new heavens and the new earth. He will be doing things, right? And he will have perfect purposes in the world. And we will reign with him, we're told. We will be his agents in the new heavens and the new earth. And what we do every single given moment will be exactly what the Father wants. Like, mm-hmm. our eternity and God's eternity will be synced up, not only in terms of, like, how we experience time, but the purpose for our life. We will live of the, the exact purpose for our life in every decision that we make and every thought that we think and every meal that we eat. We'll do the right thing at the right time. And, like, because that's what Ecclesiastes is hoping for, is, like, right. how do I find satisfaction and purpose and profit in this life? He's like, yeah. you won't. Like the ultimately, the only time that you'll be able to do that is when we're, whatever we are living in eternity with the Father, mm-hmm. and we're able to do in this new heavens and new earth exactly what He wants us to do at every moment. We'll be synced up with His purposes, and we will yeah. know His mind, and then we, we will be the agents that carry out the bent of His will. Yeah, and it will be satisfying. We won't just experience eternal life. We won't just experience yes, perfect right. eternity. We will. Be agents of it. Be, <laughs> that's so crazy. Like, we will, like, yes, we will be obedient and perfectly in tune with the one who creates and designs and orchestrates and plans time. And that yeah. will change not just our experience of time itself, but our actual lives that we live when eternity comes. Like, yes. Yes. Yeah. And so, yeah. And so, like, I mean, there's just so many, there's so many things there's, that I just want to, like, Name. I want to keep so like, going. I, <laughs> well, we like, like so. One is just like, how good is this news that God is that like? Because we, whenever we think about God being in control, because we think you know, you read verse like fourteen. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it, and nothing can be taken from it. It's like people read that, and it's like a mechanistic view of God's sovereignty that like God just set programmed the world from beginning to end and there's nothing you can do to add to it or take away from it. You know, it's fatalistic. It's, it's yeah, all, yeah, yeah. it's all ordained. And it's like, uh, but look at like, that's one, that's an oversimplification in the wrong way to, to think yeah, about yeah. it. But look at what he built. God built a world and told a story and worked within history to take his eternal self and put it on a temporal cross to die for the sins of people trapped in time. I'm just like, if that's the good, if that's like how good God is, that he could program a world to die in Hmm. so that he can bring us out of temporality into his eternality. Like imagine the eternity he's built for us. If this is the story he's telling over a a couple 10,000 years or a billion years, however you want to think about it, in time, if this is the story he's telling in time, 
Imagine the story, the narrative, and the goodness of himself he can reveal to us when time is limitless. Like, mm. it's just amazing to think about how good that news is, yeah. you know? Think about just the death of Jesus, yeah, the death of God himself, and just reread the same line. I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Mm. Nothing can be added to the cross of Christ. That's good. Nothing can be taken away from it. God has done it so that we will fear him. Mm. That's so good. There's nothing we can do to add to it or take away from it. Like I, yeah, it's, oh, it's so good. Well, um, it's, uh, we, we've come to the end of this episode. We have to end that. Yeah. Time. We, we were going to do like 14 different things in this episode and get to chapter six, but apparently not. Nope. Uh, the only other thing I'm disappointed that we didn't talk about was how like so many, um, cartoons, movies, pop culture references, myths, legends talk about the fountain of youth. Oh in, yeah. It's so immortality yep. and how so many people are searching after this one thing. Um, but I mean, it's all, um, a version on a theme. Like it's the same thing. Like the pirates of the Caribbean go out and they, they gain eternal life only to find out it doesn't deliver what it promises them. They become skeletons and can't enjoy the wine they wanted to have. They can't enjoy the plunder that they thought they would love. It's yeah. like it doesn't satisfy. And the fountain of like the search for immortality, even the Harry Potter series, is like seen as a wicked thing. Yep. Do to do it the wrong way. Yeah, you split yourself seven times and put your soul in horcruxes. Yes, so you can like, live forever. like like the search or Sauron for binding himself to the fate of the ring. It's yeah, it's exactly the, it's the point. Like the search for immortality under the sun. Is splits evil. You, is evil. It splits you. Yeah, I mean, I think of I, my wife and I were in Puerto Rico in February, and um, we went to uh, the cathedral there, and they have the burial. I think at least a statue of Ponce de Leon, who was oh. the man who went in search for the fountain of youth, and it's like I, the irony just struck me that in a way he's immortalized here uh, in this statue, yeah. but always in search of something he didn't find. Right, it's like his he, he's immortalized for his failure to find that which would yeah. have like fixed the thing that is now making him immortalized, which is death. Like right. it's just it's so That's, weird, and he is immortal because his statue still reigns. But he's right, immobile. but it's immortalized for his failure to find yeah. because he died. <laughs> That's so, yeah, yeah, we yeah. Long for a, a right relationship with time and like. And under the sun, it doesn't exist. It's right. And just a huge good news, like, is, like, John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave (laughs) his only son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Mm -hmm. And God has put that in the heart of men. We long for that. And yet we're frustrated that we can't find it. But the good news is that God gave his son Jesus and died on a cross at the right hour so that we could finally have the desire of our heart, which is eternal life with the eternally good God who plans everything perfectly in its season. Nothing can be added to the cross of Jesus and nothing can be taken away from it. Amen to that. It's so good. Well, guys, thank you for listening. Um, it's been fun to... Uh, ironically spend too much time on this passage. <laughs> or too little time. <laughs> or too little time. We probably didn't spend enough time. We'll never know. No, uh, no, it's really good. So we'll, we'll keep going with Ecclesiastes next week. But until then, we just hope you guys have a great week, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. 
Spoken Gospel is a nonprofit that gives all its resources like this podcast away for free because of supporters like you. To help Spoken Gospel in our mission to speak the gospel out of every corner of Scripture and view all our free resources, visit SpokenGospel.com.